Hello, and welcome to Haggis Hunting, where we do a deep dive on a topic that really deserves further investigation and sometimes a little bit of goofiness. I'm Eric. I'm Rocky. I'm Ian. And today I want to ask you guys about the broad topic of tradition. <gasps> tradition. Tradition. So, you know, we, we obviously in our business, we are steeped in it. We would not immersed. be yes immersed. We would not be doing what we do if it weren't for the fact that that Highland dress exists as a tradition. So, what does that really mean? How deeply do people, on average, do you think think about it? How long does something have to be around to constitute being a tradition? And uh, how much do we let be our master or our servant? And I'm kind of leading the witness a little bit with that phrasing, I admit, but just want to kind of brainstorm about what we think it means to us and what it's meant to, to to the business and to the culture. Tradition is kind of like a vampire that way. There is the master and then the, and then, then the servants. Or Seth, <laughs> you go. always are. I don't know. <laughs> if you kill the one, is all the rest of them disappear. Well, it's funny because there, there actually is an old, um, there's an old uh, anecdote that says, uh, tradition is the democracy of the dead. Hmm. I, I've also heard it as tradition is the tyranny of the dead. Okay. But the point is, by by acknowledging traditions, you are basically giving a fair voice to people who are no longer here. Yeah, and that can be that can be both to honor them, mm -hmm. or it can be people using the dead to punish you with their idea of what society should look like. So I, I take both points. Yeah. Yeah. To tie your shoelaces or you know hamstring you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. So where does a where does a tradition start? How do you? How does a tradition begin? This the is going first, super broad. The, the first time it's done. That but is it's not yet tradition, of course. The obvious. Right. That's yes. that's the thing. I, I I think it's the first time somebody gets nostalgic hmm. for how things were in the past. It's the first time somebody says, you know, I really liked how things were back then. I think nostalgia certainly reinforces if it, even if it doesn't cause it. It's it's mm -hmm. both. Maybe in different degrees for different specific traditions, but I don't think I I, I like I kind of like you splitting the difference. I don't think um, nostalgia causes tradition, but nostalgia um, carries it forward. Keeps it going. Correct. the The tradition starts with more of a. Um, this is the way we've we've done it for a couple of years. It starts with something that was fun. And then you want to do it again and you want to do it again. You form a, a habit of it, whether it's, you know, a date on a calendar or whether it's, you know, something that your family does every weekend or whether it's just, you know, so the, the way that you wear a certain style of clothing or whatever it is. I don't think it even has to be fun per se. It, I think it has to be important. Perceived, yeah, perceived as a good idea. There's a reason we did it this way. It worked. We should keep doing it because we know it works. So in that sense, I think you could argue that tradition is, by its very nature, conservative. Yeah. You don't feel a need to invent anything new because the original idea is working just fine. Yeah. And and that means it's either working practically, like this is how we've always threshed the field, yeah. or it's working from a, an emotional standpoint. Or to tie it to clothing the way I'm sure we're getting to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it might be that you wore particular clothes because they were practical for your field that you worked in, whether it's literally a field or, you know, your your profession mm -hmm. then. But it becomes tradition even beyond perhaps its usefulness. Mm -hmm. Practical or mm -hmm. looks good aesthetically. Yes, or combination. Correct. You know, if you mix certain colors together, they mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Um, there's reasons why they work. You can get yeah. into that science or art, as it were. Um, and then there's reasons why things don't work so mm -hmm. well together. And I think I think we will definitely circle around to that because there are things that I know we all feel have become traditional for not the best of reasons. Mm. And I think sometimes there is a groupthink uh, aspect to tradition. I think there's also a um, accidental component to tradition. Can be. That we didn't mean for this to be something that sticks around, but it's sticking around. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it, I think it, it has to do with self-esteem also. I think that, you know, when we're not talking about the practical stuff, like this is how you thresh a field. <clears throat> I think we're talking about stuff that makes you feel either proud or, or nostalgic. Again, I still think that comes into play fairly Connected early. To your ancestors. Yeah. Or, or an identity to separate you from them, the big 
capital T them. Yeah. You know, it could be the people on the other side of the hill. It could be a national thing. It could be, you know, your somebody else's family, you know, whatever. But but it becomes a it, it's, it's a personal identifier, I think also. Um of all of those different possibilities, what do you think is the most important factor in Highland dress? Which one do you think has really kept Highland dress around? No. The beginning is separating us from them. Mm-hmm. That's where it evolved from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with, you know, in the 1820s, 1830s, it was more of a, hey, that's cool. We want to do it too. And then it became a broader thing with Lowlanders wearing it. And, you know, the king obviously in his visit wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, that's where it kind of, to me, that's a step in the process potentially early on is the identifier slash separator um tribalism so to speak mm-hmm. i think tribalism is definitely an appropriate or can be term yeah yeah, yeah. tribalism can be either a positive or a negative thing mm-hmm. we tend to use it more as a negative term in recent history but but it's it's a factor it, because humans are yeah. social animals um and and i think the resistance to change is evidenced in what you were just talking about because um i think it was uh was it Sir Walter Scott or was it somebody else? There are people who started, there was a backlash against Lowlanders wearing tartan hmm. back in those days, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, that's not their thing. They didn't grow up like we did. I don't think it was Sir Walter Scott, but yeah, there was a backlash, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So how did they get over people, that? Still see people today who turn their nose up. Oh, that's a Lowland clan. You shouldn't be wearing a kilt. It's rare and it's from, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did they get no. over it? They just did it. Yeah. It's just powering through of, nope, I'm, you know, I'm taking ownership of this thing now, of this symbol now. I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to stop. And then a, a broader acceptance of the thing, whether that's other people. Like, if we're gonna, let's use Lowland you know, families as an example. Okay. Um, a Lowland family saying, nope, you know, I'm going to wear this tartan, period. It exists. You know, the Sobieski's made it up, but it's fine. So I'm now going to do it. And the you know the 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 family of that people or of that guy does it and then it just grows and grows and grows and as long as they keep doing it and as long as there's a broader acceptance through wanton usage um it just becomes ex- begrudgingly potentially but accepted overall of nope it's a thing now um and you're right ian the uh, there are some you know people who will even to this day like oh, well no lowland families don't really have a tartan they shouldn't yeah. really well, you know what? Highland families didn't really have their own clan tartans before, you know, the 1700s either. Yeah. So oh. how long does it have to be? And this is the kind of the point of the discussion. How long does it have to be a thing before it's considered traditional or not traditional? I think when people express that kind of point of view today, they're kind of like picking the, the time period that they want to like draw, draw the line, line at. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or the group. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think... Going back to the tribalism thing, I think when when you do that, when you define your tribe, I think it's a help a healthy thing when it's it's looking inward and saying these are my people, and thinking how we relate to each other and how we create community. It becomes negative when it looks outward, not those people. Those mm-hmm. people are not my tribe. And if there's fear attached to it as well, like the people over the hill or the little green men on the moon. That's 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 the dividing line. I think looking can, inward versus looking yeah, outward. Yeah, I, I would agree. If you can use it as a way to um, to boost your self esteem mm-hmm. and to um, give you a sense of of roots, a sense of place, mm-hmm. then it can be very healthy. If you use it as a cudgel, yeah, <laughs> then not so much. So yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I think what I've come to love about the kilts and culture group, if you want to perceive that as a sort of tribe, just you know, people coming together over love of culture and and a particular style of dress to the, see them lift each other up looking inward at each other that's positive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like say, it, nothing like negative has ever happened there all, all the comments all the comments <laughs> yeah. we had in on the new york trip were just like how great it was to mm-hmm. be part of the group uh virtually but much much cooler to actually see people in person yeah mm-hmm. you know really you know be able to spend time with people face to face and be and feel like you're part of something larger than yourself yeah. And to your to your point, you're looking inward versus outward. There's always in these types of things, there's always a uh, a, a temptation, if you will, 
to draw a circle to include yourself in the circle or, you know, shut mm. the door behind me. So I am part of this group, but other people aren't. Yeah. So it depends on the, you know, the desires, the, the thought process yeah. of the individual of do I want to, are you coming from a place of inclusivity or exclusivity? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason why you want to join the group that's you know, nefarious or is it because you just love these people in the yeah. group so much? Yeah. Is going back to your example earlier about Lowlanders, could it be argued that that was appropriation? Were they forcing forcing themselves into a tradition that actually wasn't originally theirs? Well, it, I'm playing devil's advocate here. A understood. Bit. The, obviously, I don't think that's the case. But yeah, I I would, if that argument is made, ish potentially, but at the same time. It was. It wasn't far removed from it not being a real thing. Mm. If you, if you, let's say, okay, so Sobieski's wrote the Vestiarium Scoticum in 1842, and the King's visit was 1822, mm -hmm. and around that time, holy crap! Look at me remembering dates for the record. Good for you. I'm writing this down on the calendar. Good for you. Um, <laughs> The, so it's what only day is it now? Do you even know? <laughs> That'd be another day we have to remember. It's May twelfth. Um, so the um, uh, if you if you look at it that way, it's only a twenty year time period time period where the king wore a tartan and a lot of clan chiefs were you know kind of instructed you're supposed to wear your official clan tartan and they kind of not all of them some of them had them not too many they all kind of rushed to say like okay I, I need one i need an official tartan and then they gave it their old hanukkah Danica blessing um so if you're going to say that you know lowlanders are appropriating they're appropriating essentially 20 years of culture not hundreds of years now okay. because of the mists of the origins of the kilt are so you know nebulous they, there's no okay, this is when the first guy wore the kilt. This is the first clan tartan registered. This is the first thing. It was It was just kind of an evolution. So it, to say that it would be appropriation would be, a, to me, a bit much of Lowlanders appropriating Highland culture. You could make the argument, but I'd say it's a bit much. What about Americans? <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Well, I, the diaspora. Let, let's go broader. Let's, okay, let's, let's, go. let's lump Canadians the into this. And oh, Australians. Those damn Australians. Damn, and those and those Kiwis. Exactly. Uh, I know. They're like concentrated Australians. Yeah. Australian concentrated. <clears throat> the, uh, the thing that uh, uh, I, I love thinking about, and I love the way it was kind of, uh, you know, it, it turned a light switch on in my brain at one point, was somebody talking about um, how, um, you know, the difference between the diaspora and the Scots who are in Scotland and, you know, people of Scottish lineage is there we're, we're cousins, mm -hmm. but there was a split in our family trees. And a lot of that was through Highland clearances or in the case of the Irish and potato famine, that kind of thing. And when, when they left or were forced to leave, whether it was to Australia, whether it was to the, you know, the uh, North Carolina mountains, whatever it was, um, the, they, those people took their culture and their heritage with them. And importantly, um, traditions. And traditions, <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you, bringing it back on point. Um, whereas the people in Scotland, you know, it could be said that the people left who left were forced to leave. They were the strongest in those traditions, um, which is why they were you know, put out. Mm -hmm. And then the people who remained are the ones that kind of accepted and wanted to uh, uh, blend in to the rest of the society mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. So it kind of not, not necessarily a watering down, that's saying it too strongly, but it is a homogenization to some degree of great British culture, if you will, versus those who left and kind of tried to keep older traditions alive. So there was a, a, a split within it, which is why it's kind of evolved separately. And which also goes to the point of why Americans look at it through a lens of I'm celebrating my heritage and my family versus Scots today who don't understand that mentality because they've grown up with it. They're steeped in it ever since they were young that, you know, kilts have been, tartans been part of the background. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's never been something air quotes special because it's just always been there where it's, it's much more rare in, you know, in America or in Australia to see a kilt than it would be, or to see tartan than it would be in Scotland. 
Is that a fair assessment or have I gone too far in my what? thoughts? I, I think that's I fair. <laughs> I don't think it describes even most Americans and their their approach to tartan because I, th I think a lot of people are discovering tartan within the last decade or two. It wasn't something to grow up. I didn't grow up around my parents. You know, I didn't, didn't, at the time I got married, I didn't even know which clan I was associated with. Um, Mr. Anderson. But I, but it's something I came to. And I think it's a function of Americans have been so mobile throughout the country. There's been several different movements throughout our country's relatively short history where people have scattered all over. Mm -hmm. uh, I know my parents moved to this area when they were pregnant with me. So I've never really had family in the area. Mm -hmm. A lot of more in the Chicago area, but they've even scattered everywhere mm -hmm. since. And that was after previous scatterings that kicked people in my family different directions. So mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, they're finding kilts and or tartan and or traditions and culture that they didn't grow up with, but are trying to feel more connected to family trees that they feel disconnected from. Yes. Whereas in Scotland, it's probably a little bit more common for people. Yep. I lived in this town. My dad lived in this town. My grandfather and his great, great grandfather all lived in this town. Maybe not in the same house, but <laughs> I think there's, I think there's definitely something to that. And we've touched on this in various ways in various venues in the past that basically um, the diaspora is more passionate about it because they don't have the immediate mm -hmm. connection. It's not yeah. in their backyard. Yeah. So they don't take it for granted quite the same way. They didn't learn about <clears throat> Scottish history in their elementary school. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's a uh, case to be made that they don't learn enough about Scottish history <laughs> in their elementary schools well, in Scotland. I don't know much about that, but fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say. Completely lost my train of thought. And I'm just getting lost in your dreamy eyes. <laughs> Those are watering because I'm tired. Allergies. <laughs> uh, lipid pools of tears. Um, <laughs> because pollen is my enemy. So anyway, cut that out. Edit all that out. Nah, keep it. <laughs> um, so. Is a tradition at its strongest, a an abstraction? Is it an ideal and therefore you can't ever do it perfectly? Or is it, is that mean that it should, that it's only gonna survive if it's locked into something very specific? Or is it, you have the ideal as a compass point and you can play around with it? As it's long a, as you're like pointing at that North Star as you go. It's a living, breathing thing. It should be mm -hmm. at least. Yes. I think the one we're talking about certainly is. Yes. Yeah, if we're well, speaking broadly about tradition, vaguely, then different traditions fall on a spectrum of this, I think. I would agree. I would but agree. The, if, it, if it is expected to survive, it must be a living, breathing thing. Yes. It must evolve to some degree. Um, if every single kilt, let's, let's use kilts. If every single kilt, if you want to say that traditionally kilts are hand-sewn mm -hmm. and every single kilt needs to be hand-sewn, the industry would collapse. There would not be enough people with enough means to be able to buy enough kilts that are all hand-sewn. The higher industry in Scotland would obviously prop it up to some degree, but you know, hiring a kilt would be much more expensive. All these things would be much more expensive. Um, it needs the influx to some degree of machine-sewn kilts, and dare I say it, um, even less expensive kilts as a gateway drug, if you will, um, to get people into experiencing the tradition at a reasonable, air quotes again, reasonable price, affordable price, so that they can progress to the place where they want a nice hand-sewn kilt or a really nice kilt or whatever. Um, so even if it's machine-sewn, really nice kilt. So you need different points of entry and different levels to be able to bring people into it, to get kids into it, to get people interested in it, who otherwise wouldn't because Let's, you know, let's play it out. If everything has to be hand-sewn, A, it's all going to be much more expensive. B, the mills, you know, so there won't be as many being sold. So the mills won't be selling as much cloth. Maybe they'd still do it for upholstery and things, but they wouldn't be selling nearly as much. Um, therefore, there'd be less choices. And then if any one of those choices goes away, then there's zero choices. And then it just, poof, gone. Yeah. So it kind of implodes for, for lack of support. So you need a broader base to support the thing and different price points to get people into that broader base. Yep. <laughs> what if you reach a point where nobody 
wants to have that hand sound kilt. Does the does the is is a is a tradition a ship of Theseus? That that is the risk you run. It's it is it is steering a course between you know speaking of ships steering a course between two cliffs. Mm -hmm. It's you know you if you get too close to either shore you crash. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to go so far towards the low end that everything is just cheap and cheerful air quotes or you know Scottishisms, uh, just cheap and cheerful and then all the upper end stuff dies out. Um, at the same time, you don't want everything to be unattainably financially, unattainable financially, um, so that it's you know, it, it will die out in that way. You have to have both. It is a yin-yang. It is a middle course, as much of life is. So how much right do you have to say, I don't like this tradition anymore, I want to change it? As an or, individual? Yeah. You have as, all the right in the or, world or you or can I do want to, Or I want to do something new. I want to try something new. As I'll let Ian go. Depends on how strong of a personality you have. <laughs> we all and have what your level of strong personalities in this room. But, and, yeah. and what your level of independence is from your community. How mm -hmm. how much is a tradition, speaking of, a, a, you know, more of like a, a physical community than a cultural community. You know, if you do something different, are you out, you know, are you cast out literally? You know what I mean? You know, what what is the level of tradition we're talking about? Um yeah, that well, can be. Oh, go ahead. I'm going. I'm going further into uh, fashion. Fashion always yeah. bastardizes the hell out of tradition. Period. They play yeah. with it. It's a plaything to fashion. So mm -hmm. you can go that far, um, where you're just literally, you know, lampshade tartan, you know, hats that everyone's wearing. <laughs> so it, it, that's never going to be accepted Love. in Coming tradition. Soon to but USAKilts.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the love of God, no. Now with USB charging LEDs. Yes, Rocky approved. No. Shoot me. Sorry, folks. Can't get it in sixteen ounce. Only eleven and thirteen. <laughs> the, uh, but it's you, know, you can you can go in that direction. Fashion does it all the time. As an individual, I'm fine with anyone doing it. It's it's back to the how strong of a personality are you? How much validation do you need from your peers versus mm -hmm. how much of a lone wolf are you? Mm -hmm. Are you you know? Is there anyone else in your area that's that wears a kilt? No. Okay, great. Then do whatever you want to do and walk around, not you know, within reason. Um, <laughs> you can, because you're going to be, you're not going to be ostracized from the kilt community anymore. Because if you don't have a community and a support group around you, um, and you can, everyone can play with it to a degree. It's just, you know, it's back to the old art school thing. You have to know the rules before you break the rules. Yeah. So if you know you are breaking the rules and you choose to do it, you're not. You could try to be starting a new tradition, but your your degrees of success will be on how good or bad the look is, and whether it catches on. Yeah, I think that's yeah. It's Some, it's, it's whether or not you succeed. Sometimes there's a look and it looks great, but only that guy can pull it off. You know what I mean? Fair. fair. We recently got in a, uh, a a very special jacket for somebody. It's a sheriff Muir. Never been overly fond of the style of Sheriff Muir jackets, but this one was a Buchanan antique tweed mm -hmm. Sheriff Muir. I was looking at it when you had it down there. And it was cool. I love it. And the guy put it on and I didn't see it, but some of the store folks that were helping him said he looked amazing in it. Part of me wants to do it, but I also don't know what I'd wear it to. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly it's that. Like the Sheriff Muir is a very formal style for very formal events, but then yeah. a tweed tartan is not that formal yep. of a look. So I, I don't know what to do with it. I'm sure he looks great. I'm not going to discourage him in any way, but I don't know that I want to follow. I think you can and, totally and do pick it for up his tradition or whatever. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. Just I mean, just like uh, back in the '80s, uh, well-heeled, well-to-do people started wearing blue jeans. And suddenly the, the pants of the working man was like high fashion for people who were spending like hundreds of dollars on a pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that there's there there's a certain area of events where you could totally wear that. Yeah. The, and, the problem, and you'd be pushing I don't the envelope. Think I go to events would... like that though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the the problem that I had Matt Newsom, uh, I I remember seeing photos of him. He has a gray tweed um, either Sheriff Muir or something like that as mm -hmm. well, or Ken Moore, I don't know, some kind of, you know, fancy, fancy doodad jacket. Um, and <laughs> I, that category to the website, fancy doodad jackets. Exactly. <laughs> and I thought the same thing back then. I'm like, it looks really good. Where the heck would I wear it? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, there's, that's when you get into the, 
artsy kind of looks like uh, John McPhee from the Doobie Brothers got a, yeah. you know, a, a regimental or not a regimental, a Kenmore doublet or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and where on, is it on stage? Yeah. Yes. Different kind of different kind of context. Exactly. If you have a rock star vibe to you or a you dress a little avant garde or yeah. people are always like, you know, hey, that's a neat outfit. If people are complimenting you on your 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 taste in you know, weird looking outfits. It's basically me. Um, but you know, that's, <laughs> it's one of those where you, you can get away with it, but you have to be a bit eccentric to, and, and own it period and recognize that it's not tradition. You're, you're, it's your slant on tradition. Mm-hmm. Now I want to see Piper Alley in a tartan tweed Sheriff Muir. I think she could pull it off. Okay. <laughs> Call her up. You get her to buy one. And then... <laughs> sure. All right. Well then, uh... <clears throat> Explain to me why Gilly Brogues are still around then. I mean, what even are Gilly Brogues? Because that's a whole nother, because I think- Let's take a step back here. What really are shoes while we're at it? <laughs> yes, why do people need feet? I think that's the real question. Um, no, I mean, because we, we talked about how tradition will start with something that's practical or works for people mm-hmm. back in the day, back in a day, and it also looks good. So people want to hang on to it for a variety of reasons. But I think then you have people layering stuff on to traditions. And sometimes it's layering on stuff, which is a way of ossifying it, like saying, okay, we got to codify this somehow because people are being, people are watering it down too much. And it's not going to look like the traditional thing that we're trying to emulate anymore if they keep watering it down. Mm-hmm. We know people who make that argument. But then you also have things that get invented and and somehow work their way in and really have no good reason to exist. Okay. So where, where do things like Gilly Rogues or kilt pins fit into this? You know I mean? It's, it's like, I'll, I'll add a couple more. Um, and, and they go right to your, to your point. Um, if you look at, um, when the Wells Tartan Center started doing, mm. uh, starting with doing Welsh kilts, actually it was before them that they had started existing. They bought the collection. Um, but then they started doing all the accessories and in discussions with them, it was like, you know, why are all your accessories gold? Well, because we don't want them to be the same as all the Scottish accessories. Um, or why, you know, when you look at, you know, the uh, uh, the Brian Baru jacket and vest and the evolution of that from a an update on the Prince Charlie to no one buying it in the rental industry because they already had their Prince Charlie model. And then they said, okay, well, fine. Well, let's give it an Irish name and give it an Irish buttons and an Irish slant. That way it's distinctly different from the Scottish variations. Um, so I think that's part of what it is, is people like that who, well, I guess it's not not always, but sometimes it can be people who say like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to screw up what is there, so I'm going to do something a little bit different and try to make it a new and slightly slight angle on the tradition versus trying to like change the, the you know the jacket or change the shoes or change the whatever. So instead of you know Bucklebrogues, <laughs> Bucklebrogues have existed for a long time and they've been around. They are very very traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody at some point said, you know what? I don't like Bucklebrogues, and God bless that man, <laughs> because I don't like him. Build a statue in our front exa- parking yes, lot. Yes, I, I may. <laughs> don't tempt me. We need to figure out who he was. That'll be the, our hurdle here. Yes, yeah, so we'll just anonymous. That'll be the um, only thing that stops us from spending 10K plus on yeah. a bronze statue. <laughs> so Bucklebrogues existed as a as a piece of history and still exists. Um, but at some point, somebody said, I want a different kind of shoe, and they took you know, essentially just regular day brogues and then, you know, chopped out the tongue, put long laces, had a bit of marketing shtick about how that's kind of harkens back. Um, it's a crossover between the old, you know, bog style shoes where it's like mm-hmm. one piece of leather and super long laces. So you don't get your foot stuck in the mud or your shoe stuck in the mud when you pull your foot out. Um, and he said, okay, I'm going to do something like that. And that's going to be my marketing effort around it. If I'm going to use my marketing brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wholly different from buckle brogues. So it can be a new thing. And he didn't try to put longer laces on the Buckle Brogues. He did something different. I'm assuming it was a he. I have no idea. And this is just straight conjecture. Okay. Let me, okay, I do but not like, know. No, but let me, let, let me play with that idea a little bit. Uh, I'm going to put on my, my uh, ultra elite traditionalist hat. Uh, also, 
My family is from Germany and we take our national dress seriously, unlike you Scots. And no one has tried to modify or update or make fashionable Lederhosen. It is our <laughs> national dress. It is what you wear when you go to events and that's all it is. You keep trying to make money off of it and therefore you are watering out the tradition because you are trying to just make a buck. Well, and you are manufacturing tradition, which is a term which gets bandied about a lot with Highland dress the, and Scotland in general. Every tradition, it, it, yes, it gets bandied about, correct. The, it will, every tradition was manufactured at some point, whether it was from an individual, whether it was a natural evolution, whether it was a, a, a company who said, hey, here's a thing and started offering it to the market and then it just caught on. It's automatically it's manufactured mm -hmm. it doesn't it's it's it almost doesn't to some degree it matters entirely who manufactures it and in other ways it doesn't matter at all because if it is accepted and if it moves forward then it is what it is um and i would say this to you mr german later who's in traditional wearer i can give you a better um, cultural example if you want but go ahead no i the uh, uh i looked into buying later hosen at one point mm. um Oh, and dear. There's all kinds of schlock out there. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's in every culture. Like there are still, you know, traditional lederhosen. My my neighbor, Kurt, um, wears uh, lederhosen. He does the Oktoberfest every year. Um, he does a lot of different German stuff. Um, and it, there are more expensive and less expensive. There are made in Germany. There are made in China. There are, you know, uh, we have our kilt towels for the beach, there are lederhosen bathing trunks. So there are different levels of, you know, price points and, and costume versus tradition within it, even cross-culturally. But that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, then. Have they invented a new German accessory just so somebody can imbue it with meaning and then and make more money? I would or say- something? Because, because the, the Gillybrogues, don't need to exist. They really don't. Okay. From 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 a standpoint of tradition, they are not something that people wore. A a a, a, but a modern leather wing wingtip type shoe with ultra long laces that you tie around your ankle is not a historical artifact. Okay. It was invented and then somebody said this is to represent. We did this as an homage to this old thing. And it may do have, you really need to do that for a national dress, for a traditional dress? And it may have been created by one person, literally manufactured. Mm -hmm. But it could have. And there's an alternate timeline here where people looked at it, and went, "Yeah, it's dumb," and they just never accepted it. We never even know. Maybe us in the room, we never even heard about it in this alternate yeah. timeline. Agreed. But it got accepted, and that's the important aspect of tradition. Do mm -hmm. people accept it? Do they adopt it? Mm -hmm. I would say, I think. With when people are, especially the, the type of kilt where I'm not talking about like the serial kilter who wears a kilt every day, but the type of person who puts it on twice a year for weddings only, um, the kilt is special. It's unique. It's only worn for those special occasions. So I need the other pieces that are special and unique to this to put the whole thing together. And that might be the kernel that caused people to accept it, mm -hmm. especially when you consider you have a jacket that's cut very uniquely. You have to approach your whole pocket situation very differently than you do with your pants. I sometimes have people looking for like, okay, what's different about this tuck shirt that's cut for a kilt? I really, no, at the end of the day, it is pretty much just a tuck shirt. You could wear it with your pants too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not everything here is like just exactly so for a kilt, mm -hmm. but I, they're looking for it sometimes. And if you offer it, like in the case of the Gillybrogues would be my guess, is it got accepted. I would also, I, I like where you're going with this. I would also draw this parallel as well. You don't see a lot of um, lederhosen, back to the Germany thing, I'm stuck there. <laughs> you don't see a lot of laser lederhosen, you know, laser in Germany, lederhosen, oh, yes. You know, Tron, USA kilt stuff. Tron version of laserhosen, yes. Um, shoot you in your pants, lasers. Um, <laughs> this is off. <laughs> so you don't see a lot of, of lederhosen in Germany that, that I'm aware of, outside or or in the u.s in you know of people of german descent outside of oktoberfest mm -hmm. so it's relegated to you know and summerfest events 
You, but you're but again events special but it's not only yes. but it's not daily wear you don't have like a a hearty revival of people trying to bust out their lederhosen and saying you know what i'm gonna wear this to the supermarket today because i want to because it's part of my heritage and it's fun and people love talking to me about it there isn't that same thing in many well i don't know i'll, I'll put it the other way there is that in kilts there mm -hmm. is a desire to have, you know, a, 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 a daily wear type expression as well as save it for traditional. There's sort mm -hmm. of both. And if you want to save it for weddings and special events, then you're going to be probably lean more towards the traditional. Mm -hmm. If you want to wear it more often, then you're probably going to have a bunch of stuff in your wardrobe. And some of it's going to lean traditional. Some of it's going to lean casual or like experimental, shall we say. Because at some point you get bored with the traditional stuff and you don't want to stay in the box and you want to add your own personal thing to it. That one, going back to a previous layer in this conversation, that one person who really wants to break with the tradition, whether it's expanding it in, in, you know, in, in a shocking way or, or denying it, and does that carry forward? Wow, I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, it went away. It's it's really yeah, it's, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it, to pick back up. It's yeah. it's does it get accepted? Yeah, and it. how long does it take? Here's there, so let's take that. Okay, so that was the end of your thought. Great. Next question: <laughs> How long does it take for something to be around before you can call it traditional? Yeah, versus a, a trend or a fad. Correct. Well, now, if you and it. Again, I think you made the point earlier. It depends on the time frame you're drawing the line under. Saying yeah. is it you're saying you know, eighteen twenty two? Are you saying nineteen hundred? Are you saying nineteen forty? Where are you drawing your personal yeah. line, um, and what is long enough? Or is it is it time, or is it or is it acceptance in the here and now? The see, but like let's say uh, ghillie shirts or you know jacobite shirts. Mm -hmm. um, the jacobite one, shirts. Yeah, they're they're not traditional. They're a a fabrication in the 1950s. So, is that traditional now that it's been around for 70ish years? I mean, you know what I've said in the past about this. Or is it is it still does, does it fall outside of that? Like when we're you know, in the Celtic culture group, we have there's there's a weird uh, like discussion amongst the mods back when we first started the group of what is politics versus what is history mm -hmm. and the general rule of thumb very broad that we use for that discussion is 100 years if something oh, is over 100 years old we can consider it history if it's less than 100 years it probably falls into politics hmm. so that then becomes we can kind of apply it to this well let's tradition. fight about where that line is so, i think it's 20 years tradition <laughs> versus fad Yes, yeah. you could say that. Yeah. So we recently had a customer of ours make a big splash with a tartan jacket and vest. Uh, our customer David with his American Dream, and it's beautiful. And so his if, cowboy hat. If a bunch of people saw that and said, "Man, that looks sharp. I really want to do that," and we see if if we were to see a growth in that, and more people are doing it, more people are doing it, and 10 years from now, it's still growing. I don't know if you could call it a tradition yet, because it could just be a trend that carried from, yeah, maybe 100 years from now, people are like, yeah, from like the early 2020s to the early 2030s, this was, this was really big, and then it just died one day. You could also point yeah. to tartan jackets and vests with or without a kilt going back mm -hmm. to Victorian times. Yeah. And pre. Because they do. So, yes. Correct. Certainly, yeah. he's not the first ever. I didn't mean to no, imply that. No, no, no. But he I, could start a new trend. I, I know you're is not that saying a trend that. Or is that just a pot? Yeah, this is a trend. Or it's, it's not, not even a trend yet. But or it is could. it a cycle of fashion? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you know, it's if you, it's not the same cut. It's a It's not. It's it's a regular men's, you know, or a kilt jacket cut as we would know it today, mm -hmm. versus something that was in you know Edwardian Elizabethan times. However, it's Elizabethan. Uh, not Elizabethan. What's that? Uh, uh, anyway, eighteen hundreds. Edwardian. Victorian. Victorian, thank you. I don't know why I said Elizabethan. I apologize. Yeah, Regency, Victorian, Edwardian, Georgian. Okay. Um, but it harkens back to the 1800s. Mm -hmm. So it's it draws its inspiration from there. And we've talked about that multiple times of all tradition, all you know things have to, you have to have the tradition to draw from or else it all means nothing. So it needs to exist. I think we can all agree with that. Um, or else it all just kind of becomes a plaything and it all goes away and all meaning goes out of it. 
Speaking of which, I want to propose a new tradition. And by this, of course, I mean a new product. Coming to USA Kilt's website this fall, just in time for Oktoberfest, German Heritage Tartan Lederhosen. What do you think of that? It looked like a romper. <laughs> it would. It would. Yes. You go right ahead. You have fun, big boy. <laughs> Just don't wear it at work, right? <laughs> I don't care if you wear it at work. I'm fine with that. But it's but uh, I'll, I'll but also it's have a romper, a, and it would be therefore trendy. I'll, I'll also get you a matching bonnet and binky for that, Ian. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to wear it. The binky, oh, the binky no, yes, because there are people who wear rompers to raves, so that makes sense. The bonnet, I'm not so sure. Who do you think's going to model it on the website there, Chief? So, I mean, you said, you said you have to have the core tradition, otherwise you don't know what you're looking back to. Is that what you're saying? It, you have to always have the, the core tradition. There is a need for people to carry on the, the core of the tradition. And you have to keep that in mind as you move forward, as, as a group, not any one individual, but as a group. Um, because any changes that are made or any tweaks to it have to pull from that. It can't, if it goes too far off the reservation, it is then a different thing. So it has to be tweaks to the original and an evolution of the original, not just a whole new thing. Are you saying we need snobs and gatekeepers? They they serve a purpose. Is it, well, is it, is it possible? Way. Is it possible to be a a guardian of tradition without being without being a jerk, without being yes. a stick in the mud? It is there. There are it. There, can you be a historian without being a jerk about you know pointing out every single thing that every single person says wrong? You know, like Edwardian versus Elizabethan. I Eric. Think the term you want is pedantic. <laughs> the uh, so. Yes, it's you actually. Can, I think the word that he you, <laughs> <laughs> actually, the two are not mutually exclusive. You can be one and the other. You can be kind, kind candor, if you will. Um, you can you know give people information without being a jerk about it. It's you have to have a temperament for it, though. You have to choose your words carefully and make you know. Want your end goal to be, I don't want to offend this person or hurt this person's feelings, but I want to educate them. So, yeah. Certainly not everybody has that skill. Nope. <laughs> mm -hmm. So is there is there a sweet spot, for those of us especially who are serial kilters, is there a sweet spot between being a gatekeeper, I use the term snob, but I'm just being you know, devil's advocate here. I'm not trying to actually call people snobs, but a gatekeeper, a, a guardian of tradition, shall we say, a bluffo traditionalist and being casual. I mean, how do you tell if you are, if you choose not to be within, totally within the ivory tower, how do you, how, how do you tell when you've gone too far or does I, it matter? I don't or think is that a peer pressure thing. Yeah. I don't think you can tell. I think either it's, it's your gut period. If it's, if it's like you have to, <clears throat> as a consumer, you're you're getting into the space, and why are you getting into the space? Are you getting into it to you know to to kilts? Uh, are you getting into it to experience in your heritage, your tradition? Are you doing it because you just love wearing skirts and you want to try a kilt? Are you wearing it because it's it, it, whatever the reason is? You know, it's Could be both them. <clears throat> exactly, yeah, it can be understood, but it's it depends on how you get there, and then how much education you want and how much you are willing to educate yourself within it as you move on your own personal journey. So are you just, nope, I just don't want to have fun with it because it's fun attention thing and I'm using it in that way versus, no, I really want to honor my heritage. I want to learn more about this. I want to understand the, the right air quotes and wrong way to do things and the traditional way to do things. And then I think, honestly, most people probably evolve yeah it's you don't you don't generally walk into it you know first you know first toe in the water is a full traditional outfit head to toe um that very 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 rarely happens but we, i think i don't know i might argue that but go ahead um it, it depends on where you were brought up are you brought up in a family and a father who's a traditional kilt wearer and shows you how to do it but then you've already had your education built in so the before you even got into it 
So it's a matter of, I think, the vast majority of people, especially in the diaspora, who did not grow up in it, who are trying to educate themselves because they want to do a good job and look good, start off, you know, kind of going to a Ren Faire or Celtic festival, buying something, walking around, and then going like, hmm, that guy looks better than me. Let me talk to him or let me like, try to emulate that look a little bit. And then you see someone else and then you find a Facebook group and then you see some videos from a great company on YouTube and you kind of, you know, you play around within it and you evolve over time. I sure as hell did. Mm -hmm. I did too, but I think we do have people who actually are kind of the exact opposite of what you said is that they, they come into it and they go for the most traditional thing they can afford because they are absolutely dedicated to making sure they are representing the tradition and heritage correctly and they really got to stick up their butt about it yeah. or they're terrified like it's for a wedding their first kilt think about it this way you know the, the guy who buys his first kilt for his wedding yeah it's got to be perfect is this the right thing to wear with this yes or no i mean we get those questions all the time so i think you have that and then people finally start to relax and then get more casual afterwards. So I think it could go either way. And how many times have we gotten a question for our live show that's like, if I'm wearing the wrong Clance Tartan, will people fight me in the street? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yes. <laughs> so it's death. clearly a fear some people have, I think too. it definitely is. I think it definitely can yeah. be. I think to go back to your question about whether somebody's being a snob versus being a, a, a guardian of culture in a, in a positive way, really kind of depends on the context of the situation too. Mm -hmm. If you're at a St. Andrew's Society dinner, there are some more firm boundaries on what is right versus what is wrong. Mm -hmm. That tartan tweed Sheriff Muir, might, everybody might look at him and go, that's wrong. <laughs> uh, depending on the group, I'm sure there's varying degrees of this at various different St. Andrew's groups across the country. But then, you know, at the rock festival, you see the guy, and if you're giving him the same, like if you pull a guy aside at St. Andrew's side and you're like, hey, by the way, your kilt's on a little sideways. Can I help you with that? You want, he, he wants to wear, at the, at the rock festival, who cares? <laughs> like you're just being a snob if you're trying to correct somebody's outfit when they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're wearing their Megadeth shirt and their casual kilt. So you're saying if, if, I, as a critique, as somebody crit critiquing something, I should be aware of the context. Yes. Choose your battles. Yes. Kind of thing. How okay. traditional is the event you're going to to begin with? Mm -hmm. Now, what if they're wearing here? They're killed backwards with that Megadeth t-shirt. Backwards is clearly wrong. You know, if you're trying to <laughs> if you're if you're trying to zip up your zipper and your jeans from the back, you're yeah. unless it's some kind of you know weird variation on jeans, you're clearly doing it wrong. If it's a little crooked, okay, it's a little crooked. Maybe you're going for a little bit of an unkempt look, or maybe you didn't quite know. And frankly, I'm not going to bother you about it at the at the festival. But if I know, you know, me and my buddy are about to go to a St. Andrew Society dinner. It's his first time wearing a kilt, and he's looking a little unkempt. I'm like, hey, buddy, let me let me help you fix that out. As long as you can do that in a kind way, then it's being a guardian of the culture in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. But if you're just like picking out a stranger in a crowd and be like, you're doing it wrong, stop that. <laughs> then you've 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 crossed the line. <laughs> yep. So it basically mm -hmm. comes down to if you win. <laughs> no, basically, no, because, because my, my... Does it come from a place of kindness? Is it looking inward? Yeah, I was going back to something else, but yeah. go ahead. If you're looking at, at, your, at your tribe inwardly and saying, here's how we do things, it's one thing, versus, you know, looking at people and saying, they're not, they're not, you know, they're doing it wrong. That's, that's a different kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sorry, I... No, it's okay. It's just, it, 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 because, I'm, because I'm a nerd, everything mm -hmm. always makes me think of stories. And there's, mm -hmm. uh, you, it's before your time, but the, the, the miniseries Shogun, Okay, from like the early 80s. Um, you have this Dutch sailor or this English sailor who winds up stranded in Japan and he's taken to see the warlord. And uh, and through an interpreter, he's trying to explain who he is and what he is. And and, there be, and, the, and the warlord is basically saying, you're, so you're a pirate. He's like, no, we're not pirates, we're revolutionaries. We're, we're, fighting, we're fighting for, you know, for freedom from, from, from tyranny. And he says, then you are a rebel. There can be no excuse for a, 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 a citizen rebelling against their sovereign lord. You're, you're nothing but a criminal. And then and the, the Englishman says in return, unless you win. And of course, the warlord laughs and they become friends. And so I think that, mm -hmm. that's the point with this whole thing with tradition is that I can say that it is now going to be tradition that you wear a kilt that's only 10 inches long. <laughs> okay. I've got a picture of Matt that okay. you might want uh, to see. No, no. <laughs> and I will either, on my brain. And, and it's like, it's, it's, it's like I'll, I'll be laughed at and mocked, but if a few people start to think it's cool over time and it starts to become popular, mm -hmm. then I win. And then it eventually becomes accepted as tradition. 
the old histories written, written by the winners thing. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because, again, how else do you explain Gillybrogues? They're clearly manufactured as as this pastiche, okay? There's no reason for them. And it's like, oh, the symbolism, blah, 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 blah. But they have stuck around because they're okay. So, I mean, is is really just is winning the only thing that really matters when it comes to maintaining a tradition? 100 years from now, the blood right of the Skindu is going to be in history books. Oh, yeah, to burn that up again. <laughs> no, no. I will burn them all. Maybe, maybe, hey, book, burning isn't, maybe book burning isn't a good visual. I, don't, I just want to write the song, yeah. Blood right of the Skindu. I guess yeah. Sabaton kind of vibe going with that. It's got an 80s, yeah, operatic metal yeah. vibe, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does, does it tradition, is it, pos is it even possible to have an ugly tradition? Yes. Uh, Later, who's... <laughs> well, that's, that's my point. a perspective thing. There are some oh, yeah. people who think kilts are ugly. They're wrong, to be or clear, like a, but... Like, like, yeah, it's like, it's like the, 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 the honor guards in, in Athens who wear that, that uniform with the, the, the skirt-like, kilt-like thing and the shoes with the big pom-poms on them. Mm -hmm. That apparently, I didn't realize this, that didn't exist before like the mid-19th century, mm. possibly even later. It's very, very recent invention and it was invented as we don't have a strong national dress like these other people do hey there are these shepherds out there in the hills who wear this thing sometimes let's use that and make that the uniform for the honor guard mm -hmm. and it stuck now if anybody's greek out there correct me if i'm wrong but this is what i think i've heard so i mean it's a tradition i don't see people on the streets of athens wearing little you know, fluffy mini skirts and shoes with pom-poms yeah. on them, though. There's something to be said for acceptance by the establishment mm -hmm. for a tradition to stick. But that is and that is the by, that yeah, is forced by the establishment, even. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Whereas kilts had to overcome that a bit But <laughs> is, it a, is it a strong tradition, even though it's ugly? Or there, do we have a stronger tradition because the aesthetic is accepted? Hmm. The world may never it's, know. It's stronger, the... the, the the better the aesthetic is. Yeah. It, if, if, it's, if it's ugly, less people are going to want to do the thing. So, like, come on, kid, get dressed up in this. No, I don't want to. Why? It looks, looks stupid. It's the old Ralphie in the bunny costume coming down the stairs. Mm -hmm. um, if now, it, for the record, I'm not saying that the Greek uniform looks ugly. I'm, I've, I'm just I've never seen it, so I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. But it's if it looks, you know, dumb to the majority of people, then it won't stick and it won't, it won't be a thing or it'll evolve much quicker. Mm -hmm. um, and someone will say like, if it's a big pom-pom on the shoe and it's impractical and it gets dirty and whatever, then somebody goes, I'm gonna do the same outfit, but I'm taking the pom-pom off the shoe. Yeah. And that will evolve because it looks less stupid than big shoes with a big pom-pom on it. Yeah, but if I'm viewing them properly. Buckle brogues are more practical than gilly brogues, Rocky. Day brogues are more practical than both because <laughs> the buckle brogues are just a big freaking buckle sewn on there. It doesn't really do much. So, so while well, I'm in favor of 18th century actual buckle brogues where the buckle is functional. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, so yes. don't wear any, wear any orthotics in that because that need, wouldn't be traditional. Right. No, exactly. No, but you, you must got, wear a leather got, bottom flat totally. with nails sticking into the absolutely, bottom of your foot. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But you're also talking to somebody who went bowling last weekend and was really tempted to walk home with those bowling shoes. <laughs> so the uh, tangent, but okay. So Good pair of red and blue Bowling shoes would go great with the American Dream yes. tartan. <laughs> I had a, I had a vision in my head of no, we are not selling these either as a punk rock thing. I was like, I'm not 16. I can't steal bowling shoes. <laughs> <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> Maybe I can purchase them. <laughs> Good, oh, sir. You probably could. I don't know if you'd want them by the time they're on the market, though. Pretty much. <laughs> a little Lysol, maybe. But I think, so, go ahead. I just think related to that, the the, the Greek example. Um, what sticks faster, a top-down tradition or a bottom-up tradition? I was going to ask think that earlier, actually. are bottom-up, mm -hmm. especially given that, you know, they, they did attempt to stamp it out a little bit at times. I think I think, there's, um, I think they're both. Kilts are weird because I think they're yeah. both. Yeah, it's certainly different time periods and, and, and different movements, yes. Mm -hmm. But at times it is only carried through because there were people at the bottom trying to maintain it. Um, whereas it sounds, if I you know take at, at, at your word, I'm obviously also not a history in Greek. <laughs> 
modern yeah. Greek history. But if that was a very top-down kind of a thing, you're right. It could go away very suddenly just because you have a new, I don't know if it's a political leader, a military leader, or just the leader of the honor guard who decides, like you said, drop the pom-pom. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep some elements, you know, mm-hmm. the the intricate lace work or whatever. I, I I don't know what the shoes look like, but we're gonna keep a lot of it, but we're losing the pom-pom. It's immediately gone in ten minutes. Especially the, if it's not something being worn outside of that honor guard. The uh Kilts were kind of both, mm-hmm. where it was very much bottom up. It was common clothing. It was what was worn in the Highlands. Um, and then after prescriptions, and it kind of, you know, it obviously went away, the vast majority of this stuff. Um, the stuff. Brought back. Br- brought back, yes, but it never regained full popularity. Mm-hmm. And then of what it had pre-prescription. Then when the king, when mm-hmm. Sir Walter Scott kind of in, in a small group kind of came, he, Sir Walter Scott romanticized the hell out of Scotland. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, <clears throat> wanted to ensure the enshrining of the culture to make sure it was not lost. He's a very, very interesting guy where he was like very loyal to the crown, but at the same time loved Scotland and really wanted Scottish culture to flourish. Mm-hmm. So he basically saw it as his job to marry those two things and be like, okay, well, you know, we need a big thing to get this moving again to make sure it doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. So the king, the the, the establishment of yeah. establishments, he got him to do this whole big thing yeah. in 1822. And so it was a top down to some degree at that point, yes. but in a way that the bottom up couldn't have been because it was a common man's right. thing, not a, a, a hoity-toity thing. But um, it was a, a top down resurgence, not a top-down creation the way this ger- Resu- Greek... I'd say yeah. a top-down resuscitation. Resuscitation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that interesting. But that, if the bottom didn't carry it to at least a minor degree, it couldn't have been picked back yep, up from the yep, top. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. I was going to say, just just to be pedantic, the, the tartan craze did actually predate Scott, but it was actually in some ways stronger outside of Scotland. Mm. And, it was, yes. and it was because of him and similar writers romanticizing the now defeated and therefore harmless and therefore we can feel safe playing with it scottish culture you know so people in england actually picked up yeah on the london stuff. scottish society mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then and then scott was kind of like the king of making that actually work so i would say i you could say i think what you could argue is that the kilt was a clothing of a nationality mm-hmm. but it was not a national dress what mm-hmm. scott and his ilk did was they invented the national dress mm-hmm. to say that this is the symbolic outfit of a scott a kilt a jacket like this, kilt hose, a sporin, these weapons, this sort of hat, they invented the whole uniform. Hmm. And that's and that's kind of, I think, the difference, is as opposed to just like, well, here's my shirt, here's my shoes, but I'm wearing a kilt because I'm going up in the hills today, That which is what was what started off as. So here's my question. Is the other thing the tradition benefits from and that really needs is the, is the shortbread box. Do you need the cliché? Do you need the the cartoon? Do you need that simple, simplified vision of what it is in order for it to stick in people's minds to to keep it at top of mind, as we say in in marketing? Yes, and um, just to to reopen back the the last point you just made, I will also point out that even as Scott and his ilk invented the tradition to some degree, or expounded greatly upon the tradition. They made a whole big thing. Yes, exactly. Um, but even then, what they invented and what what existed through the eighteen through uh, let's say eighteen sixties eighteen seventies is different than what it evolved into in the nineteen to nineteen hundred to nineteen thirties. Mm-hmm. So, and that is kind of today what is looked at as traditional Highland dress is what was codified in the 1920s, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you would look at the, you know, the stuff from the 1850s, it's that's that's stuffy old stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the new trend. This is what's in. This is the wide lapels on the Prince Charlie, which is a brand new right. jacket style. Right. So and you don't have to have a goat hair sporing down to your knees. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still evolved. You know, again, sort of slowly, but it still has evolved into that. And I find it, you know, kind of amusing that that's kind of where it stopped. I, f- I completely forget your other point where you were making and we're going with it. Um, I think that, well, that gets into whole all sorts of tangents about like technology and lifestyle and what's practical and impractical to wear. And what the rest of society but, is wearing. So you look... Right. Yeah, closely akin, but still different. Yeah, again, so the, the difference between a, a national dress, which is a 
a national fashion or a nationally derived fashion versus a national dress uniform a la the Greek honor guards um, that nobody wears except for, or leader has a nobody wears except for a special occasion. So my question was, do we actually need those cliches to look back on and to remind us of what this idea, this mythic ideal is? How much is a mythic idea? How much is the, 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 the Victorian era style bagpiper on the shortbread box? How important is he as an icon to remind us? Ah, yes, that's, that's where this is coming from. I would this is take the easy image I can give to my kids. I would take exception to the term ideal. Mm -hmm. I would take I would say as as a reminder of where it started or a reminder of this snapshot moment of time or a reminder of this tradition within it. Um, but I would not say it's an ideal. I would say here's a thing as it was, you know, and is 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 shown beautifully for that moment in time. Yeah. And then when you look at the old, the, the catalogs from the 1920s um, and the 1930s, the old, you know, hand-drawn, hand-colored, you know, catalogs from, from retailers mm -hmm. showing different things. Like those are just, they're super cool to look at now. Like, wow. And it feels so 20s and so 30s when you look at that stuff um, versus the things that are put out today. So it's, it's, it's important to have those snapshots in time so you can trace the history but not get stuck in it. Yeah. Knowing that stuff is being a good student of the tradition. But saying it can only be like that is I, that gatekeeper-y type instinct. That, I, I agree. That that we were referring to earlier. Let me give you let me give you another one. I think I think I think I know what the answer to this is gonna be is how do you feel or how do you think people in general feel about a tradition that comes from a flawed source or a flawed beginning. Are we now, talking about Gilly Brogues again? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Um, there can be, okay, there's there's some very dark examples where things which became tradition because they're part of a culture that was actually, you know, a negative part of a culture like imperialism or slavery. Mm -hmm. But there's also more benign, but also ugh, sources for things like, I would argue that if it weren't for the movie Braveheart, mm -hmm. which we know is flawed in many, 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 many ways, um, I would argue that in some ways there wouldn't be nearly as many people with Celtic tattoos now, especially blue-black yeah. tattoos, yeah. if it hadn't been for that movie showing guys wearing woad mm -hmm. in battle. So you have a flawed source, which I think has Or guys led, wearing kilts. Or guys wearing kilts. But I thought the tattoos was an interesting nuance, actually. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll point out a couple of flaws before we get into this. Um, a... Braveheart, you know, Mel Gibson, you know, wanted there to be kilts in the movie, but, you know, uh, uh, William Wallace would not have worn a kilt. It was post his time. Um, the blue face paint, it was, you know, Pictish. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. it's a thing, but it wasn't necessarily the thing. Nope, um, not at that point. The going, going, you know, forward on, on the timeline, um, not 1995, but in old-timey timeline, um, The uh, you have, you know, again, Sir Walter Scott, inventing the thing but for the best of reasons going forward from there you have the sobieski stewarts with the vesti arms Scoticum inventing tartans that are now fully accepted as clan tartans which were just made up and shoved down people's throats and said yep or if, if you don't want to say shoved down people's throats it's clan chief saying yeah yeah yep that looks good i'm done yep that's the one uh, without and just accepting it blindly so i think that may be part of the question is how do you accept it? Do you accept it blindly or with a skeptical eye? Hmm. And whether or not you accept it is more important than why you accepted it. And as far as it's becoming a tradition, the root question we started so, with. So like, it's kind of like death of the author. I think there's a, it's... There's a, there's a death of the author factor to this. If you like the <clears throat> result, you're not going to worry about the source so much. I'm saying you shouldn't worry about it or ever discuss it, but whether or not it became accepted as a tradition is somewhat... It's, that is irrelevant to that question is all I'm saying. Okay. So it's kind of like a similar discussion we've had multiple times over in the shop about language use and how many times does somebody say, use a word incorrectly before the dictionary just acknowledges the incorrect meaning of the word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. It happens all the time and it's similar. Yep. Oh, yep. Too evolution, often. evolution of language. Yeah. Don't get me started on decimation. Yes. Nobody uses that word correctly, and it's just I now agree. accepted. I agree. I, yeah, it bugs me too. You know, Ian, Ian, that, it's the same kind of thing, though. That response to that decimates me. Mm. 
Ugh. But it's not even the wrong, wrong, <laughs> not even the correct uh, wrong way to use it. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think you just hit on a really, really good metaphor, though. Um, is traditional language? Well, In before way, we before we get off language. of the other, no, oh, come on, man, I'm full the, of caffeine. I'm going. It's the the question becomes uh, how is it important? Why is it important? With like the origins of it, mm -hmm. um, I think it is important to catalog it and to have a firm and very factual you know, uh, accounting for particular things and how the thing evolved. That is the thing, like personally for me, that like that grinds my gears. Um, the thing that you know, bugs me about kilts, which will probably never be answered, is like, who did the first kilt? You know, how did it evolve? And having better historical evidence because it's just not there. Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason why we are doing things that we are doing here with the interviewing particular people is to catalog certain facts that are that have existed or evolved within the last you know 20 30 40 years that you know we know people and people that we know have have been in the industry and been in this culture um to be able to say these things existed in this order this is how it was to sort of dispel the the bs myths that come out of it and to give more truth to it so that in a hundred years people can go back or 200 years or whatever and say, okay, well, the origins were murky, but from this point on, we have better facts and here's how they are laid out. Here's the timeline and here's how things evolved. That's my lesson for today. I grok, man. Here into the lesson. I grok. I really like the idea of tradition as a language. Yeah, it's a visual language. Well, yeah. at least if first kilts and, and fashion related yeah. traditions but, is, go. but bottom line is, is as fashion or other stuff it is a way of communicating with people yeah it's how it's how we speak about our culture and our history and all those things yeah albeit not necessarily always with words and it's a way of it's a way of framing things too and knowing the origins is is essential like you said so yep i think but, that's what i was gonna say but like anything it has to evolve there has to be personal expression and it's it's always that balance it's always the the opposing forces pulling at either end of it that are that are needed to guide the center path even if they're somewhat in fictional. your opinion yes yeah yeah even if they're even if they're semi-fictional yeah like how many times have we seen within our own lifetimes a book or a movie came out and then there's a whole spurt of kids all named after one of the characters you know, many, like, Lord, yeah. how many Bellas are there? How many, mm -hmm. how many mm -hmm. Lilies anymore? Wasn't it the name Wendy that didn't <laughs> exist before Peter Pan? I have no idea. I yeah. believe it, but. On that note, gentlemen, I'm going to say this is a really good discussion. Yeah. I think we left some unanswered questions a little bit for fun and a lot of things for people to think about. I'm really looking forward to seeing and reading, reading, reading the comments so uh those about you those of you out there who see slash listen to this i'm a mess um i'm very interested to know what you think uh and it could lead to other discussions that we have so let fly i want to hear what you hear what you think right and if there's any other topics that you want to hear us kind of you know wax poetic about drop them down there as well right on and get in your pre-orders for the tartan lederhosen it's a romper. I'm telling you, it's a freaking romper. And I'm so photoshopping you into one now. Oh, God. You've seen, you always I've made, forget. I've you made a tactical error forget. here. Yes, oh, you have. No. Yes, you have. I think, you know, I think Matt would look better in, in the Tartan League. Nope, person. nope, it's all you. So tune in next time, boys and girls, for Ian. He's actually going to wear one on the next show. Tune in next time for Ian in a Tartan romper. <laughs> on we'll Haggis Hunting. <laughs> Thanks. Slantrava. Slantrava. Thanks for joining us. The theme song for Haggis Hunting is The Banshee Gravel Walks by Slantra. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, just send an email to sales at usakilts.com. And if you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, be sure to check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and over at our website, usakilts.com. If you like the show, it would mean a lot to us if you left a rating, since it helps new people find our show. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slot Shabbat.